believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders, according to their father's houses. Twelve rods, so like shepherd's staffs. Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house, and then you shall place him in the tabernacle of meeting, before the testimony, that's the ark of the Lord, where I meet with you, and it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom, Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece. For each leader, according to their father's house, twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness. And behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. And then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel. And they looked, and each man took his rod, his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels, that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Thus did Moses, just as the Lord had commanded him, so he did. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, Surely we die, we perish, we all perish. Whoever comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die. Shall we all utterly die? We saw on Tuesday night in chapter 18, right after this, after God affirms that calling and consecration of Aaron, a whole chapter is dedicated to how God is going to work through Aaron, a reminder of the priesthood, that it's a blessing, it's a gift, that the people, that the priesthood would provide for the family of Aaron and his household, that the tithes of the people were for the priesthood, but the priests themselves would also tithe from the tithes of the people. And that God just had a great plan for all of them. Chapter 18 is really a beautiful chapter of his order and design that would guide worship for the nation of Israel for the next 1,500 years the way God defined it with his people in this covenant, particularly with the house of Aaron being the high priesthood and then the Levites assisting them in that service. And that's our background. But the people, again, it's just so frustrating in some ways because you see God doing something beautiful. The chapter should really be about the blossoming rod of Aaron and God's confirmation upon his life, which it really is. But still, even in the midst of that, you got these people that are like, oh, we're all going to die. We're all going to perish. And it's just so sad because at the same time, God is moving by his spirit and people are applying faith and going forward in their calling. There are other people who have rejected the, the choice of faith and have believe the testimony of fear, and everything's about them perishing, it's about fear, it's about not this, it's about not that, and you can't, you just can't even reason with them, and what's incredible for me is to think like these people all live in the same community, 2.5 million people, they're not just living together, they're camping together for the next 38 years, 
and you're a neighbor and you're under 20 and eventually you're over 20 and you're trying to do the right things with the Lord to get ready to go in the promised land and be fruitful and enjoy your marriage and your children as a Bedouin, you know, on the move. And at the same time, you got this other generation, no matter what you say to them, that's based upon faith and hope and promises of God, it doesn't mean anything to them. They're completely given over. They're, they're like zombies in the wilderness. You can't reason with them. You can't tell them God is light and him is no darkness at all. You can't persuade them that God is good. You can't say like David said 500 years later, taste and see that the Lord is good. You can't reach them. They are unreachable. They're completely seared in their conscience. God has rejected them. They tested him 10 times and he gave them over to themselves. So all they can say in a chapter like this is, oh, we die, we perish, surely we perish. What can you do for people like that? I'll tell you what you can do for them. Nothing. There's nothing you can do for unbelief. Early on in ministry when I was in Virginia Beach, I remember there was a person, I was only like 30, first time I was a senior pastor, and this person was like, insisted that Jesus alone couldn't solve their problems, but they needed some additional psychological help or whatever. And I was like, Lord, I don't even know how to answer this person. And the Lord gave me the verse, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because those who come to him must believe that he is, and he's a reward of those who seek him. And I said, if you don't believe Jesus can heal you from this, you won't be healed from this. Because he's the only one that can. And if you reject his power as Lord of the universe, who makes you and holds you together to heal you from this, then you have no hope at all. So good luck with what you think you need to do, Jesus plus this. God forbid we ever say Jesus isn't enough. And God forbid anyone in this room ever say the promises of God are not enough for our life to live a victorious life, an abundant life, a life filled with joy and perseverance no matter what persecution or tribulations and trials come our way. We want to be people like Paul and Silas praising the Lord in a prison cell in Philippi. That's who we are. That's our destiny as followers of Jesus Christ, if indeed you are born of the Spirit and a follower of Jesus Christ. But in the context of this story, it is just amazing where God's doing something supernatural. I mean, this, it's like this cross right here blooming like a tree. It's the same inanimate matter. It's wood. Like if we came in here and saw this cross to my left, your right, and you saw like lemons and oranges and grapefruit, we'd be like, oh my goodness, we'd all be like, we'd fall on our faces. Like, we wouldn't want to worship the thing. We'd be like, wow, God just did something supernatural that's contrary to nature because God's over nature. He's above it all. That's what happened in this chapter for an affirmation of the ministry. At the same time, there's people that don't get it. And what does God call them, by the way? Rebels. Rebels. People who reject Christ his promises, his authority, and his word, God calls them in this chapter rebels. Keep that in mind in our current day on December 5th, 2020. He calls them rebels. Not the people who believe the word of God or who meet in obedience and sing praises in accordance to the word of God. He calls those who come against that rebels, not those who do that. Do not confuse the two. So, we... Look at this text and we think about the blossoming rod. And we talked about this on Tuesday night. We want our, our shepherd staff, our rod to blossom. If we are born of the spirit of God and we've passed from death to life and we become a new creation, as the Bible says, then what is applicable to Aaron certainly in principle is applicable to us. He was called by God. He was confirmed by God. He had supernatural fruit 
evident in his life, confirming God's work in his life. In the next chapter, it would say of him that his ministry was to serve, and it was a gift from God to serve. The two chapters really go together, but we're focusing on chapter 17. So it's the affirmation of his calling and then details of what a joy it would be, how God would provide for him, take care of him in all things during his service. So let's think about this. We want our life, if we were to take your life, everyone in this room would confess Christ, and even younger children for that matter, anyone that's born of the Spirit of God, from the youngest to the oldest in this congregation or or on the planet, we can take their life and, and we'd say, like, we want their life to be like a blossoming rod, a staff. That's what we really want. We want the confirmation of God and supernatural fruit confirming that we are the Lord's, that he is working in us, that he's working through us, and it's a contrast to the rebels who are at war against him, contrary to the covenant and the promises of God. That's what we want our life to be. So picture yourself as a blooming rod right now. Because really, that's a reasonable perspective to have on this text and application because all these things are written for our admonition and the word of God's living and powerful and profitable for everything and the principle here is and of course it says in the new testament in first peter that we're a royal priesthood so when we think about the priesthood in the old testament you're like well we don't really have that but yet it's the holy spirit who says that every believer in christ is a is a priest unto the lord jesus christ and we're a royal priesthood so i like to always connect that to passages like this where we sort of put ourselves in the place of aaron Not as a high priest, because Jesus, of course, is our great high priest, we're told. But just in that, he's a human being. I mean, think about this. Aaron built the golden calf that they all worship, right? All these people died that day. 3,000 people died that day because of that golden calf. He got off the hook, and he still has his job. I mean, if anyone knew grace in the Old Testament, it's Aaron right here. Like, this is the same guy who, when he did something in his own effort, it was a golden calf that stumbled thousands, and 3,000 died. And... Baby brother had to set that straight, Moses. And yet here he is, devoid of anything that he could do. I mean, he just led the rebellion with his sister against his brother as well, right? I mean, Aaron and his sister Miriam went to Moses and said, you took too much. We're we're just as important as you. And what did God do? Like Miriam got leprosy. She was outside the camp for a week. And Aaron's like, yet again, hey, Aaron, sit down and just be glad you're wearing the uniform of the winning team. Go to the end of the bench and think about things for seven days while your sister's on the injured injured reserve list, right? Like kind of that sort of like everything stopped for two and a half million people because of what they did. And then uh, Dathan and these guys did the same thing. And so finally God goes, enough of this. This is the person. And God's affirming it. And he does the same for us. And this is really what we want to think about tonight because there's a lot of application for us. Aaron was saved by grace. His calling was by grace. He built a golden calf. He led a rebellion against his own brother. He's watched people die for the very things he did. And he's still here, and God's making his his staff blossom. Do you feel like that tonight? I mean, like, sometimes I feel like, I can't believe God does anything with me. Like, I know me better than you know me. And I know me better than I want to know me. And God knows me better than I know me. Did you follow that? And it's the same for you. And yet we're all still here on this Saturday as a church family because we're going forward by grace. And grace takes us forward. And grace has taken Aaron forward here. Just the context of it all. It's like of all the people 
Aaron's the guy whose rod is possiping. And you think of what his track record at this point is, and you just got, that is amazing grace. I mean, he, he should have been cut from the team twice already. And yet, hey, you're not only on the team, you're our starting quarterback. Don't mess with Aaron. The rest of you tribes, you know, don't even mess with it. This is my guy. That's what the Lord is saying. And that's what he says about us. So as we stand in amazing grace tonight, as we look at the life of Aaron and think how it applies to our life, just remember he's standing in amazing grace and we are standing in the fullness of amazing grace. As Susan Branch said this morning, she loves the Old Testament, but I'd rather have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. I think it's better that the Holy Spirit comes in every believer and can come upon every believer than just a few people like Gideon and David and a few others like Deborah doing something special. I like it that we can all have be the temple of God through faith in the Lord and having the Spirit come in us. That's a wonderful thing. So while Aaron had a black and white version, we have the full version with the Lord right now tonight to go forward this day. So the blossoming rod, that our life would be this this thing, this special supernatural thing of our life would be, our life itself would be a blossoming rod. So we think about this. First thing the Lord says is the man whom I choose. Verse five, the rod of the man whom I choose. So we can say the rod of the woman who I choose, the person I choose, the man I choose. In Jeremiah chapter one, God said something beautiful about Jeremiah. He said, before I formed in the womb, I knew you, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before Jeremiah was even conceived, and of course God is outside of time, multidimensional, outside of dimension, he, he knows the day's fashion for us, when as yet there was none of them, Psalm 139. And we, we need to remember that the Lord has revealed himself to us. For the Bible says there's none that seeks the Lord, no, not one. And yet somehow at some point we heard the gospel and God drew us and we responded. Somehow his sovereignty and his election works with a a human element by which we're accountable for of faith and belief to respond with repentance, and it happened, or it will happen. And this is the mystery of it all, the second birth. But the person that God redeems is chosen by the Lord. That God chooses us is unquestionably a fact of theology in the word of God, as God has revealed himself to us in the human experience. He holds the whole universe together And when we were one cell in the womb, before even one cell in the womb that multiplied and replicated itself to become the human being that you and I are, unique and distinct, he would say of us like Jeremiah, before you were even formed in the womb, I knew you and I ordained you. And we want to be reminded tonight that even as Aaron was ordained to be the high priest, we are ordained. When we give our life to Jesus Christ and we're born again and we pass from death to life, we are ordained. My wife got saved on December 7th, 1987. I was there. She was not my wife. But the date's easy to remember because, of course, it's the day of Pearl Harbor, right? It's December 7th. It's an easy day to remember. And every year I remember my wife's birth in Christ is coming up, and it's coming up in two days. She passed from death to life. I knew her before Christ. She was a certain way. When she got saved, I'm telling you, she was this incredible woman to begin with, but like it was then multidimensional, like when she was born of the Spirit. It was just amazing to see that change. And it was like, wow, she's, it's like, made alive, which is what the Bible says. Now, some people, when they get saved, it seems to be more gradual. Like Timothy received the faith from his grandmother, and he heard Paul preach and eventually became part of Paul's ministry team. And Timothy was, you know, he, he had to be encouraged not to, you know, be timid over his age or things like that. But he was had a saving faith. 
Whereas Paul had a dramatic faith, right? He's going to Damascus to kill people. He's struck down by the Lord. He hears the Lord, yet the other people with him don't hear the Lord. They hear like thunder. You know how it is? Like you can be in a room and hear the gospel, and it's the voice of the Lord speaking to you. Someone else, it's just like thunder. Many are called, few are chosen. And when we're born again, like Jeremiah, we have now responded to the call and we now have that ordination upon our life like Aaron in spite of a golden calf and a rebellion against his brother he's got the booming rod that's what it's like the one whom I've chosen the woman whom I've chosen the man whom I've chosen the older person that I've chosen the younger person I've chosen the thief on the cross that I've chosen it's like once we have the faith in Jesus We've passed from death to life, and we say, well, how do we know we're chosen? Because this is what people always say on this argument. It's like, well, if you're wanting to walk with the Lord and you've given your life to the Lord, well, we know you're chosen. Well, what about that guy? I don't know about that guy. That's for them to figure out. That's God's universe, not my universe. Hey, you, t- you know, take care of, like Jesus said to Peter, don't you worry what I got for John. You, you stay focused on what I got for you. Just be happy you wake up and you want to seek the Lord. Be happy that you're convicted for sin when you sin. Be happy that the Lord reproves you and says, call those people and say you're sorry. Be happy that happens to you because there's people that do great evil and they don't have that conviction because they're not born of the Spirit. They're the rebels whose rods don't blossom. The planet's filled with 8 billion people and most of them have rods that do not blossom. They're used to beat on people. They're used to shake against God and face the sky. They're used to build towers of Babel of global governments where man governs man devoid of God. But we have the blooming rod. And praise God for that. Praise God that we wake up and we want to go to church on a Saturday at 6 p.m. at a Baptist church or a Calvary Chapel affiliate. That's a good thing. The man that I've chosen, the woman that I've chosen, I shared this on Tuesday night on my certificate of ordination that I got from Calvary Chapel Vista, whom Joe Henschel's dad signed. I always think like Joe was like the little kid, but his dad was, you know, board of elders. And I got that certificate of ordination from 32 years ago. And there's Steve Henschel's signature, Brian Broderson, Doug Martin. It's amazing. But on that certificate of ordination is the text from John 15 where Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And how revolutionary was that? And how important was that for them to hear that in John chapter 15 as he's going to the cross that very day on that narrative? They're going to see him because the Jewish day began at sundown, right? So this is all happening. And so within that day that began at night, they would see Jesus on the cross and step into the different dimension as he would go to the grave and set the captives free. And he said to them, on a day where they'd just be so stunned by everything, on a night where Peter would deny Jesus three times, where Judas would be the betrayer and hang himself, all this stuff like who could even been prepared for that for these 12 disciples who were told of these apostles? Jesus said that he chose them. I and mean, he spent the whole night fasting in prayer with the Father. And then he came down and he chose the 12 apostles. And just as he chose them, he's chosen every believer on this planet right now tonight who's born again through faith in Jesus Christ. But in John 15, he said, he reminds them, because they're going to change the world. They're going to radically change the world with the, the apostles' doctrine, the gospel truth, and the power of the Holy Spirit. They're going to go on those Roman roads in that Greek-Roman world with all that human power, all that power of Caesar, all Caesar's power, and they're going to turn that world upside down. And they needed to know before the day of Pentecost ever came that you did not choose me, 
but I chose you. And we need to be reminded that. As we come to the end of 2020, we need to be reminded tonight that we did not choose Jesus, but he chose us. He revealed himself to us by his Holy Spirit, and he convicted us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And whether it was gradual like Timothy or profound like Saul struck down on the road to Damascus, there came a quickening in our heart where we decided to follow Jesus. Like the song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, I will follow. And that has happened for most, if not all of us in this room. And we're here tonight, not because we're hanging on by a thread, because we've chosen to follow Jesus. We're here tonight because he's hanging on us, because he chose us. And the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And we have a firm foundation. Our God is a rock, and he's not moved, and he's not changed. And he's got us, and he's got this. And so it's good to be reminded on the end of this crazy year, in this final month, with another strange year looming, with all sorts of eclectic irresolvable puzzles and conflicts in the human experience hanging out there like a fog bank waiting to come in. I'm not trying to be negative, but if you haven't figured it out, 2021's going to, you know, it's not going to be 2020, but it's, this isn't done yet, right? We know that. This has all really just begun. We don't know where this all is going to end. So it's good to be reminded tonight The kingdom is the kingdom, and the king chose us for his kingdom. And the woman who I've chosen, the man who I've chosen, the young girl who I've chosen with terminal cancer, I think of Trinity Jameson, the the young woman in love with her handsome husband, Melissa Henning Camp, who I've chosen, who's going to die at 21, four months after her wedding. Whoever he's chosen, whenever he's chosen, at whatever time in their timeline, he's chosen us, and he's got this, and he's got this. And I feel we've done a great job as a church congregation navigating this year. I believe we made really good calls at the right time because we let the Lord lead us and guide us. I'm watching lots of churches right now all over America scramble to realize if we don't open up, we don't have a church. We're being sifted, but he chose you. You didn't choose him. And that's our source of comfort. And he chose you knowing you can build a golden calf and raise a rebellion against Moses. And he still chose you. And your rod is still blossoming supernaturally. So we should praise the Lord that he's chosen us. We should rejoice in that because that's a work of God. It's his work. If it was your work, it's a work of the flesh, but it's his work. So it's a work of grace. And so we believe and we're going forward and grace is wooing us and grace is leading us. And we're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and he's going to get us through this. And whether it's the most enjoyable experience from here to eternity for each of us or a very difficult experience from here to eternity for each of us individually or collectively, he's going to see us through it because he chose us. And we're chosen for this purpose. We're chosen for this time. And we're chosen to serve the king. You did not choose me. I chose you. And how many times have I been distraught and overwhelmed in ministry where I just like, I can't do this. And the Lord reminds me what the ordination says. You did not choose me. I chose you. And like I shared a couple weeks ago, reading the letter I wrote my mom at the age of 16, not walking with the Lord at all, it's so evident that God chose me because I'm quoting scripture to my mom from Genesis 49 of Joseph being a fruitful bow. How do I even know that verse at 16? I mean, I went to catechism, but I didn't like really pay attention. 
Like, I ran away to Hawaii. I stole my college bonds and cashed them at the bank and got on a plane at San Diego Airport, PSA, and flew to Honolulu, got on the bus with a surfboard and 35 bucks and went the wrong, wrong bus, wrong way around the island. But I still got to the North Shore before dark, and it was still 12 feet. And I stayed with my friends, and, and I, I, I lived on $35 for a week, and then I called my mom, I'm in Hawaii, and I've run out of money. But that letter, my mom saved it. She saved it and she knew I'd find it. And I'm quoting scripture. God's going to make me a fruitful bow, mom. Like Joseph. Now, I'm named after Joseph, St. Joseph, you know, Mary and Joseph, Joseph. But, you know, like when you're 16, you can just kind of pull the Joseph you want for what you're doing, whatever. But isn't that amazing? Because when I got saved in, in late 86, after my attempted suicide, I read Genesis for the first time ever. And I remember reading the life of Joseph, and I thought it was the most amazing life that I couldn't believe. Like, I never knew this person's life. But I did know that person's life because I quoted it when I wrote my mom at 16, running away to Hawaii. You did not choose me, Joey Baran. I chose you. And put your name in there, too, if you're walking with the Lord, confessing Christ. And that's our encouragement. So every time I feel discouraged, like, man, the Lord just reminds me, listen. I've got this. I've been running the universe for a long time. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.